All right, so uh, again, just welcome, good morning, and if you're new visiting at GRX, my name's Scott, I'm the pastor here. Today's message, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but before we get into the Holy Spirit and talk about that, we're going to do something that wraps up something that we did two weeks ago. So I'm going to pull the round table over here, can you guys help me? And um, I'm going to invite Matt to come on up here and share so two weeks ago, we looked at uh, brave like Jesus, be brave like Jesus. And if you were here two weeks ago, you knew that, uh, yeah, bring those down. Um, we were talking about we become brave by being brave. We actually, yes, please. We actually um, become uh, brave as people by actually practicing bravery. You can't be brave and play it safe. You actually have to risk yourself. Thank you, man. And uh, and practice your bravery. And by practicing bravery, we become brave. And then um, I did a roundtable and uh, said, does anyone want to share what does being brave look like for you? And then it was very quiet here. If you were here, you remember the awkward silence. And then Matthew came forward and he shared, uh, let, me, let me hand this to you. He shared that uh, for him to be brave like Jesus was to call a coworker who was who was uh, sick, right? Yes. And so he said, and then one of the things I remember he said was, well, if I share, I'm going to call my coworker. That's one, bravery. And then two, by sharing with all of you, it makes him accountable. Because now all of you know that to practice bravery and to be brave like Jesus, now all of you know. And so uh, we were texting back and forth, and I said, well, you want to share? And he goes, Okay. So, is it okay to keep yeah. the recording going? Okay. Yes, you can keep recording this. Yeah. Okay, thanks. I think uh, Christy said that at the retreat. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't and think she's so, here right now. Um, yeah, if you would just share, and what did Be Brave Like Jesus look like for you, and what happened? Yeah, so, uh, so it's actually an ex-manager, but mm-hmm. I mean, nevertheless. So, he, um, so yeah, so two weeks ago, yeah, so I basically told everyone here that I would call him and talk to him. Uh, and the reason I felt called to talk to him was because I, I, I knew, I, I think I, think I kind of knew that he was Mormon. And, you know, growing up in the Protestant church, you know, I had heard things about Mormons and, you know, that they're, you know, I think you know. So I just wanted to make sure that he, maybe a chance to witness to him and just make sure that, you know, he as a future is, you know, secure. So I texted him last Friday, and then, you know, we kind of went back and forth, and uh, we finally ended up talking on Tuesday or Wednesday this past week. And actually, before I called him, what I did was I wanted to, so I actually researched uh, into what the Mormon church believes, and the thing that I focused on was what did they really believe about Jesus? And, and I went to the, you know, the source, like the Mormon websites, and I just read for myself what they really believe, and uh, I mean, this isn't a I don't want to get into all the details, but at least what I saw seemed like what I believe about Jesus, that, you know, he's the son of God, he died for our sins, and by only by believing in his resurrection that, you know, that we become saved. So, at least that portion, I mean, it, it read like what I believe. So, you know, for me, you know, I'm just going to, you know, claim my ignorance and say, you know what, it's not for me to, I mean, it's ultimately God's up to God, you know, who gets saved and doesn't get saved. So I, you know, it's not for me to determine that. So 
When I called him, I asked him, hey, you know, we just chatted for a little bit, and I said, you know, are you a member of the LDS church, you know, which is a Mormon church? And he said yes, and, you know, I told him, I, tr- I was trying to come from a position of humility and say, hey, you know, I heard, heard, you know, I heard some things about the Mormon church, but I researched it for myself, and, uh, and then, but I wanted to specifically verify. So I said what I just said earlier about, you know, what, you guys believe about Jesus, you know, the whole thing about, you know, the thing that, that I just mentioned. And he confirmed that, yeah, that's, that's what I believe as well. And so at least that part, I confirmed that what he believes about Jesus is that portion. Now, there may, I know there are other things that, you know, that they believe. Um, but for me, um, so that, that's, um, and then, you know, and then we continue to talk about, you know, he actually has six kids, not five like I thought. And, um, you know, he, he, and he talked about, you know, how it's been uh, just going through these last, uh, you know, months with his family, his wife, and his kids. He said the hardest thing was telling his kids and, you know, just talking through, uh, I don't know, like the afterlife and all that. So, and then I ended the talk by, you know, just... And I said, you know, hey, can I just pray for you? And then, you know, I just prayed for him, you know, for his remaining time. And, yeah, so we ended the phone call. And, you know, he, um, he's actually still working until this week. And then he's going to take a two-month break. And he said, we'll see what happens. Um, and then we said, we'll keep in touch. He'll continue to post updates on his blog website. So, um, so for me, the lesson is, uh, I mean, it's, it, it was scary because I didn't know... You know how I was going to steer the conversation, but I wanted it to not just be about like surface things. I wanted to really talk about the the spiritual aspect of what, what does he really believe about you know Jesus and the afterlife. So, um, so I, mean, I don't know. So I feel like the you know I don't know what the impact my talk really has, but for me actually the impact on me is uh, just that. I think it's important for me to um, like verify and learn things on my own, and not just uh, like accept that other people things that other people tell you. And so, you know, again, I'm not. I'm just going to claim ignorance and say like I don't really know what the Mormon Church believes. So I'm not going to make that judgment. Uh, I'll let God decide. But yeah, so for me, that that's been the experience for me, and it's about. And then I think uh, for me, if I want to make, you know, make myself do something, I think a way to do it is just to tell, you know, either even one person or many people that, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. And then that can be additional um, motivation for you to follow through. So. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew. So um, if anyone, if Matthew comes up to you later and tells you he's going to do something, um, support him with that. And thank you, Matthew. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. You know, one of the things that's really fantastic about this community is that we're all in different places along our spiritual journey. And so for some people, calling someone might not be, thanks guys, might not be hard to do at all. And for other people, calling someone, talking about faith, even offering to pray for them might be the scariest thing for you. And what I love is that we are a church that is walking with each other um, in all of our strengths and in all of our weaknesses and all of our gifts and in the places of our brokenness. 
and in successes and failures, we can continue to walk this life of faith and support each other wherever we are. And that's discipleship. That's becoming, that's becoming like Jesus. And, and that's what our community is about. So we're going to shift gears now a little bit and uh, talk about um, something that we, you know, sometimes churches talk about and sometimes churches don't talk about too much. And it's the topic of the Holy Spirit. It's the topic of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we just sang a song about that. I believe in God the Father, Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the God three in one. So when I go through and talk about the Holy Spirit, you might have a lot of experience with this, or you might have hardly any experience at all. And that's fine. You might even fall somewhere in between. What I want to share about today is it seems like within the Christian faith, when it comes to God, and particularly the Holy Spirit, it seems like there's two kinds of knowing. It seems like there's two kinds of knowing. The first kind of knowing is an intellectual knowing. There's an intellectual knowing, like knowing about God. Like, I know that God is love. I know that God is forgiving. So I know about God. That's an intellectual knowing. But then there's a second kind of knowing, and that's a relational knowing. It's, I know that God loves me. I know that God forgives me. And, and that's a relational knowing. It's different than a, um, uh, an intellectual knowing. And my hope as we talk about the Holy Spirit is that we would both have an intellectual knowing of the Holy Spirit, but then also a relational knowing of the Holy Spirit, an intimate experience of the Holy Spirit. And actually that second one's more scary. It's a little bit more scary, that, that, that one. But to know God, I think it's critical that we talk about the Holy Spirit because there's an intellectual knowing and a relational knowing that comes from the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at a couple of passages in Scripture that come out of the Gospel of John. And this is where Jesus Christ himself talks about the Holy Spirit. The, whole, the Spirit of God is all over the Bible, all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if you want to do a more comprehensive study, all you have to do is look, get, your, get your Bible and uh, you know, your Bible app or whatever and put Spirit in the search and then hit search. And you will see a ton of passages about the Spirit and the Spirit of God, Old Testament and New Testament. I'm going to pull a few verses out of what Jesus is talking about, of the Holy Spirit. This is John 14, and then there's some in John 16. What Jesus is doing here is it's the upper room discourse. Jesus is with his disciples, and it is right before Jesus is crucified on the cross. So the time that Jesus has with his disciples is very short. Jesus is coming to the end of his life and he's teaching about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. John chapter 14, verse 15 and 16 says this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. 
to be with you forever. And then he goes on in verse 26 to say, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So in the Christian faith, just like the song that we sang and just like what we see here, we understand God to be three persons. God the Father and then God the Son who is Jesus. Now those two personhoods of of God, we understand because it's Father and then Son, we get that. But then also, the third part of this Trinity is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It's a form of God's presence, just like God the Father, just like God the Son. It's a mode of God. And this third part, this third form of God, is what Jesus talks about in John 16. He keeps going and he says, nevertheless, John 16, 7, Jesus says, same upper room discourse, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is the crucifixion. Nevertheless, I tell you, it's your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I'm going to go back and we're going to look at what do we actually understand about the Holy Spirit from these verses. But this verse, personally, the, the one that was just there, uh, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7, this has always been a curious verse for me because Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, now, just think about this as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're in the upper room. You're sharing this meal with Jesus. And Jesus says, actually, it's to your advantage that I go away. This is a very odd thing for Jesus to say. Jesus, the greatest teacher of all time. Jesus, the healer. Jesus, the miracle worker. The guy that turns the loaves and fish into like lots of loaves and fishes and lots of food for like lots of people. He's like a healer. He's like a walking buffet. He's like, he's taking care of people. He's teaching them. How could it be better that Jesus goes away? As I think about being a disciple, I don't want Jesus to go away. I want to be with Jesus all the time. This is a very odd thing for Jesus to say, that it's better that Jesus is actually not with the disciples. That's so odd. And when you unpack this, the only way that makes sense is because there's something better that Jesus is saying is going to happen when I leave. And what he says here is, it's better that I go away, it's to your advantage that I go away, because when I go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And this is the advantage of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in one place with one group of people at one time because he's fully human. Jesus is in one place. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, can be with all of us. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, can be with all of us. And that is the advantage of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
So then what did he say about the presence of God being with all of us, which is more of an advantage than him on earth? And this is where we're going to go back to those other two verses and see what does Jesus teach us about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, John 14, verse 15 and 16, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And then the next verse, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So I'm gonna pull out a number of things that we can intellectually know about the Holy Spirit from what Jesus teaches. And it's gonna come up here on this slide here. Just from these few verses, what Jesus tells us about the advantage of the Holy Spirit, God's presence with us, we can know these things. One, he is the helper. Some of you might know this word, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside us, the one that runs alongside us. He is the helper. We know that he's sent from the Father. He's sent from the Father in heaven. He teaches us. He brings to remembrance Jesus' words. Means the Spirit helps us to know God. And then this last one. I mean, these are all these things that we can intellectually know about the Spirit. That the Spirit is with us. Jesus says, he's sent from the Father to be with you. To be with you forever. These are the things that we can intellectually know. Now, intellectually knowing and relational knowing really are two different things. And um, I asked Ray's permission for this already. Ray's our worship leader. He's the guy standing up here on the guitar. And, and so I asked Ray's permission, and he says I can, I can use him for this um, as an illustration. Ray stands here, and there are ways to intellectually know Ray. You can look at him. You can see, wow, he's talented. He plays guitar. You can see, wow, he's handsome. He's, you, can, you can hear his voice. You go, wow, he's, he's got a great voice. You might even know intellectually some other things about Ray. Like you might know he's married. You might know he's got two kids. You intellectually know Ray. But that's different than hanging out with Ray and playing basketball with Ray. Uh, maybe coming here before service and seeing how he interacts with everybody on the team. Maybe it's different than sharing a meal with Ray, than relationally knowing what makes Ray joyful, what's heartbreaking for him. What are the struggles that he has? What are his successes? If you knew those things and walked with him and talked with him, then you would relationally know him. So there's an intellectual knowing, but the intellectual knowing can keep us at a distance unless we actually spend time and share life together. Ray comes to your house. You go to his. You share a meal together. And so the relational knowing is what I'm talking about for the Holy Spirit. That there is a way that we can relationally know not just intellectually know like this, not just read the Bible, 
but we can relationally know the Holy Spirit. And that's this last part. And that is also what Jesus is saying, to relationally know the Holy Spirit. He says, he, the Father, will give you another helper to be with you forever. To be with you. It means that our lives would be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would actually be in our lives, in us, in our hearts, and in our souls. Not just that we know the Holy Spirit intellectually, but we live and choose life to be with the Holy Spirit. If you've experienced the Holy Spirit, sometimes it shows up like this, that the Holy Spirit is a hidden and a secret, sometimes a quiet voice. If you've ever been convicted of something, maybe you said something, maybe it was very judgmental or mean, and you felt in your spirit like, I shouldn't have said that. That's the inklings of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever experienced comfort, maybe you've been in a season of sadness and in an unsort of explainable way, you experienced God's companionship. You experienced an, an inexpressible closeness of God. That's the Holy Spirit. If you've been in a time of suffering or stress, or loss. And in the midst of all of this, and your whole life just feels like it's going into the dump, but, you, but at the same time, you, you can't explain it, but there's sort of this assurance that, 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 you're, that it'll be okay. You're loved. That's an experience of the Holy Spirit. That's an experience and a gift that God gives us to the followers because God loves us. I, I love this really famous passage. It's out of Galatians. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe some of you have memorized it. The fruit of the Spirit, right? We could probably even recite it, some of us, right? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience. Jackson, I see you smiling out there. I know you can probably come up here and recite it with me, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? What are those things? If you've ever experienced someone who is loving or patient or joyful, you're experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Someone who expresses faithfulness, goodness. They're a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit working in them, and we experience that among each other. It's not something that's manufactured. It's not something that's like generated out of our, out of our, like our will. But this kind of joyfulness, patience, goodness, it comes because the Spirit is at work in us. If you've ever experienced this in someone else and you go, when I'm around this person, they just are so patient with me. When I'm around this person, they're just so joyful and I just love being around their joyfulness then you have recognized the Holy Spirit at work in the life of another person. That's what this is. I also want to say that this, as I, as, I, as I wrap up this message, 
that it's not just intellectual knowing, but that the relational knowing is up to you. Intellectual knowing is up to you too. And intellectual knowing is good. It's good that you intellectually know things. And that's up to you. That comes from studying scripture. That comes from discussing these passages. It comes from reading the Bible and saying, what is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Intellectual knowing is good, and that's up to you. But the relational knowing is also up to you. And it's pretty easy as Christians, as followers, to know about God and to read the Bible, but to never know that we know that we know that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so this last illustration I have is this house. And uh, it's, uh, all right, how would you get to know Ray? You get to know Ray by inviting him to your house, having him over for a meal. You get to know Ray by having him over at your house. Your life is like a house. And you can invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life and come into your house. Now, you might be the kind of person where like, that is pretty scary. I don't want the Holy Spirit in my house and in my life because then they're really going to see what's inside. I would rather have the Holy Spirit just kind of stay out on the porch. Ray, stay out on the porch. Holy Spirit, stay out on the porch. That's good. Just be on the porch. Be on the porch. I don't want you on the porch. I don't want you in my life because it's too scary. Because we, right, if we're honest with ourselves, we know what's in our life. We know what's in our house. And when we have people over to our house, what do we do? We clean our house. We clean up like crazy. And we clean one bathroom, and that's the only one that they can use. And you can't, you can't, don't, you can't go in the back bathroom because there's all my laundry, there's all my dirty, stanky socks back there, there's all my yuck. You know, when we invite God into the house of our lives, it's for all that stinky laundry and all the junk in our lives that Jesus Christ died for. That is what Jesus forgives in our lives. Jesus knows it's already there. We're just hiding it, but God knows. So we don't have to be worried about that. And we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. We invite and participate in this knowing of God. And we don't have to be worried because God loves us. And when the Spirit comes in and loves us in all of that, then we will relationally know and really know that God loves us. So I'm going to end this message with a prayer for us. And it's a prayer that will um, just be in a posture of invitation to invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. Um, worship team, you guys, you guys can come on up. And um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to pray some words. And if you want to, I invite you to also pray those words along with me. You can pray those out loud, the words out loud. Or you can, you can pray them quietly. You can whisper them. Um, but it's a prayer of invitation to the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to ask, again, by invitation, um, to pray in a posture of openness. And I don't ask people to pray in different postures too often at GRX, but this morning, this morning I will. Um, and, And a posture of openness in prayer is to simply sit where you are and to put your hands um, uh, in front of you in a posture of reception, uh, like you're receiving a gift. So you can put your hands uh, like on, on your knees in, in an open kind of way, or just out in front of you. Uh, and you can go ahead and close your eyes. And, um, and just even as we're here, and if you have your hands out in front of you, or just as you're praying, just as, as we prepare to pray, I'd just like you to notice, are there any obstacles that you have to being open and to inviting God's Spirit? Just notice, are you feeling self-conscious about how your hands are? Or are you feeling fearful about what might happen? Or you're kind of scared, you're not wanting to, God to see all these things. I just take any of those obstacles and just lay them out before God and just trust that this is a time between you and God. God loves you. You don't have to worry about the people around you, but that this is a time between you and God and the Holy Spirit. So let me invite you Pray these words along with me. Holy Spirit, thank you for this church community. And I invite you to come into my life to teach me about God. ways that you, God, are at work all around Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of life. I invite you into my life.